Right. That was a light show. Yeah, it was good. You know, uh, we we're talking about the Olympics and everything. And oh, uh, yeah, boy, you know, there's so much to, to think about here. You know, I, I kind of feel I, I, I'm completely turned off. I got to just say that mm -hmm. I just everything I'm seeing right now. First off, I'm so sick of we talked about it in the last segment. I'm so sick of just woke politics in all of my sports. I and think everyone's getting sick of it though, Merle. I think there's a, the, I think well, there's how, a, how is it that the Olympic committee can't see that? And they're allowing these kinds no. of protests to happen. And they've got, you know, the trans thing happening there as well. And they're, they're just on the cutting edge of wokeism is what it seems like. And, and then you got guys like LeBron James coming out. who's a three-time gold medal winner to talk about how you're stealing away their first amendment rights by not letting them protest. And I think about LeBron James and his three gold medals. And it, and it makes me, it makes me feel like, come on, LeBron, you're going to weigh in on on this, on the Olympics and, and what's right and what's wrong in the Olympics. But there's, there's a hypocrisy here that's overwhelming to me because I remember as a kid, I used to love the Olympics and we've talked about this before. I wanted to be in the Olympics. I actually joined track uh, in, and you know ran the half mile and the mile because I wanted to get a gold medal for America. That was a big deal. Uh, I didn't do it, but I tried. And, um, you know, it's, it was, there was this patriotic pride that I had about the whole thing. And it's all about the amateur and, and, um, yeah. somebody that doesn't have a chance as a, uh, who's a professor, this, this There's person can really pure. make a name for themselves. Right. Yeah. And then I remember hearing that the Russians were putting professional hockey players uh, into the, on their Olympic hockey team. And I thought, how wrong is this? How disgusting is that, that they would do this? And in 1980, when the Americans beat those, those yeah. Russians uh, on the ice, knowing those were professionals that they beat, that was one of the most glorious moments in the Cold War ever. And, uh, and so, so this is what the Olympics were, at least that's what it was for us. And now it's turned into something completely different. And they've, they've stolen the spirit back to LeBron James, LeBron James won all three of those gold medals as a, prof a professional basketball player. Right. He, he, he had, he was one of the best professional basketball players on the NBA and then competed in the Olympics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just think it's more that than that. Alone. Let's look at it this way. Uh, let's speak to what LeBron said about trying to throw our First Amendment rights out there. Okay, so then what if a team wants to propagandize uh, anti-woke? Everything anti-woke and Trump. Uh, what if they put right. Trump across there? And I hate saying his name. I hate bringing him into it. I wish he'd go away, but to make a point. What if they decide to put Trump on their jerseys? I'll believe you, believe me, that's not going to fly. That will no, be against no, the rules, right? So that is not First Amendment rights. LeBron always has half the information. I don't think he's a hypocrite. I think he's oh, really he uneducated. Well, maybe you're right, but that kind of makes you a hypocrite when you criticize somebody yeah. for, for, remember, uh, the guy from the Houston Rockets that said uh, that the Hong we needed to support the protesters in Hong Kong, and it was LeBron that came yeah. out and said, "How ignorant of you to say something that stupid!" And um, you don't even know what you're talking about. And they freaking crucified that guy and just shut him down. Yeah. Well, 
that guy was just expressing his first amendment uh, right of yeah. expression and right. and and he came and shut that down like an iron curtain along with the rest of the nba but when his people want to speak then it's mm -hmm. a violation of the first amendment here's another thing too is that mm, private companies aren't really under first amendment uh constitutional first amendment that's the federal mm -hmm. government that's under first amendment yeah. uh you can't just come into your place of employment and just say whatever you want to say you're, you're going to get fired that's very uh, true. that's how it works and so mm -hmm. when you're applying first amendment to these these sports figures yeah. uh it, it that doesn't actually apply and then finally i just want to say something and I, I think I heard Greg Gutfeld actually talking about, and it was the what sports used to be. And uh, maybe it was him, maybe it was somebody else, but sports has always been something that causes people to come together mm -hmm. from all races, from yeah. all creeds. And the only thing that matters on the playing field is what color uniform you're wearing, you not go. what color anybody is. Yeah. And we've seen that sports, like for instance, baseball, uh, when they brought Jackie Robinson onto, into the major league, that the, the sport was used to show people that it didn't matter what color people were, it mattered about the content of their character. And it, it actually was like a, a soothing balm that was applied to a festering wound of, of, of bigotry. And, it, and we've seen it work for decades now. And then sudden, and, and the, the, the athlete, his, him or herself was always a very humble, hardworking figure that wasn't looking for any kind of a handout. And uh, they were people that we could look to and emulate and, and feel good about emulating. I recently saw uh, George Foreman uh, send out a, a tweet and I'm a big fan of, of, of George Foreman and, uh, and what he was able to accomplish in his lifetime. He's a gold medal winner as well. <clears throat> he won in 1960. And uh, he was an, obviously he was an amateur and he just won that gold medal. He, he says this, that he wanted to win that gold medal for America, that that was really important. And mm -hmm. he put a picture of himself on there and he's got the American flag draped over him. He's got blood on his shoulder. He's got the, he's got this uh, gold medal and this extremely proud look on his face. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how great America is. And here he is, is like 60 years later, 50, 55 years later. And he's still talking about how important that was to stand there yeah. and represent America. And now you've got these kids out there that, I mean, what, what happened? How, how did oh, this... we know they got indoctrinated. They really did. Yeah. And it is. And we're letting this happen. I'm telling you that I, oh, I... if there's a pushback, I'm telling you it's it's happening. What? It, this anti-woke thing is really taking hold. And the NFL is going to play a big part in making that pendulum swing the other way. Because I don't know what I, you know, there's a pull out there somewhere that's going to state that. Over 80% of people in America do not want politics in their sports or their entertainment. Barry, I was, sports. I was thinking Take about it out. Take it I was out. thinking about this the other day. I haven't watched the NFL in years because of this. Mm -hmm. um, football is my favorite sport. I haven't watched Same. any football. Yeah. Uh, pro football. I love pro football. I got a long tradition of watching pro football with you, with my family. Yeah. I haven't, and they've ruined it. They've taken it away from me. And I, I was just thinking, you know, now it's happened to every sport um, with the exception of maybe a couple. 
And you're right. This has to be taken back. How do we take it back? My only, my only method of taking it back is by boycotting it, just not watching. And I hate to think that I, because I, I, I don't want to see all that in the Olympics. Right. Um, and so I, I just feel like I don't even want to watch it. My, my favorite things in the summer Olympics are the track and field and gymnastics. And I feel like I, I don't, I, I, I hope that's not in track and field and gymnastics, but the whole thing, I just want to be able to send a message that I get this out of my sports. And I feel like boycotting is the only way to do it. No, I, I agree. And I'm going to have to uh, tap out here because after waiting decades for the Browns to get really good, I can't boycott watching the Browns this year. I mean, they're, they really are going to make a run for the Super Bowl. So I, I'm so excited about that, but I'll, but Outside of all that, I'm. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's still going to give everybody such the, the common person such a bad taste in their mouth over this wokeism stuff. It's going to start making that pendulum swing hard the other way. I, I really believe. Oh, you know I, what? I want to say something before I forget. I wish I would have remembered to say it on the on the regular show. I think I really, as I recall, screwed up last week. We were talking about what's going on in Haiti and in Cuba. And I think I got the two confused because we were talking because in the in Haiti that that the president or whatever his title is got uh, what's the word cooed. Um, And then in Cuba, obviously, they have all the freedom marches and stuff. And I don't remember what you asked me a question. I said something, but I remember that I was watching some news later on that day. And I'm like, geez, man, I think I got those completely backwards. Well, we were talking about both of them at the same time. And so we kind of, I remember exactly what you said. And and you, you, you were talking about Haiti, but then there was an event in Cuba that happened and it kind of, that event got applied to Haiti. It didn't actually matter though, because it it was under the banner of the same oppressive nations and communism and how we need to, uh, how we're perplexed at how our government doesn't seem to be saying boo about (laughs) what's going on. In fact, they're doubling down on the same tactics. So yeah, 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 exactly. So let's get, let me, I wanted to finish on the football thing Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. this is so important to me too. And uh, I hate the whole woke thing that's happening there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hear that they're going to be able to wear names of people and and on their on their helmets on their helmets and and all the uh, black lives matter kind of stuff on their uniform but again it's going to have to be approved names yeah you can't just put like uh jim crow (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine could Uh, you imagine yeah let's see how free our speech is exactly um but you know they're gonna play the black national anthem whatever that is and so divisive i think so divisive first off everybody believes what you're gonna say everyone believes what you're gonna say here's here's what i would love i i wish that i could be an nfl player when they play the black national anthem and the national anthem because they're gonna play both and here's what we're gonna see is people are gonna stand for the black national anthem and then the athletes are gonna nobody's gonna know what they're supposed to do that for the for the they're gonna kneel when the when the american national anthem comes on and so this is what i would do as a black 
as a black player is that I would kneel for the black national anthem and I would stand for the national anthem because there's no, you can't have two national anthems, it's one for black people and, and one for everybody else. I mean, isn't that the definition of divisive uh, of, of, yeah, of, of bigotry? Like, yes, it is. Like, okay. This, that's racism. Like, yeah. You're going to have a national anthem. That's just for black people. None of you other people. No are Asians, no Jewish, yeah. no, uh, no Irish, no Italian. Yeah. Here, the, the our national is anthem is for everybody. It's for yes. America. But the then melting we're gonna, pot. We're going to play first the black national anthem, and then we're going to play the anthem for everybody. Else. What? 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 Yeah, I know. Isn't this like uh, I think it was Morgan Freeman's like Black History Month. I don't want a Black History Month. Is there a White History Month? Is there an Irish History Month? You know what? And they're doing it again. And, you know, it's always these white white people that are trying to make themselves look uh, more virtuous than everybody it's else. Funny, because he was talking to Chris Wallace. Um, I mean, Mike Wallace, Chris Wallace's dad. Mm. Um, and uh, and and he says, well, well, do you want a, a a white history month? He said, that's what he said to him. I remember. And and Mike Wallace says, "Well, oh, I'm Jewish." He backpedaled from that so quickly. I'm Jewish. <laughs> like like that got him out of it. And Morgan Freeman just calmly said, "Okay, so would you like a Jewish <laughs> history month?" And just like, uh, no. <laughs> I know. I, I, think I that made me love so Morgan dumb. Freeman so much for just having a level head. He wasn't yeah. being confrontational or anything like that. He was helping Mike Wallace to actually see what he was saying because he 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 was blind to most of the population is blind to why that's such a bad thing. But and that's amazing. Morgan Freeman helped him to see that. I, I know that's amazing to me because it's so clear and common it sense. Is. But Morgan Freeman, that's part of his shtick. Like he truly, I that's I guess that's why he's always been such a popular actor. Is he brings that same smooth cool to yes. his roles? I don't think smooth cool. That sounds too uh, black. What I mean is his, his calm, common sense de demeanor comes right. through in his roles. You know, and so honest and and yeah, uh, integrity, genuine, integrity. Right? yeah, right. genuine, and he's, and he's very uh, clear. He's got just very clear thinking. You know, and here's what I always say common too. Common sense goes back to the uh, Fauci Rand Paul discussion is that if you have the truth, it, you know, you really don't have to be excited about it. You know, like, uh, there you go. If don't somebody, have to be defensive. Yeah. If somebody was came up to me and said, you know, the sky is red, mm -hmm. um, you know, I can see that it's blue. No, it's not. It's red. Why would I get all like, it's blue. Like, <laughs> why, I don't have to do that. It's obviously yeah. blue. Right. So right. that's another thing is like that, that people like Morgan Freeman bring to the table when they're trying to make their points are very calm and collected and they have data to back things yeah. up. And then, yeah. and, then, and, then, and then you hear the other side of the story and it's all just emotion and everything. And, and, you know, as a bystander, you can, you can see, you know, where the truth, you can feel it. We, mm -hmm. I think as human beings, we have an, like an, a truth antenna. Mm -hmm. um, now we can deny that truth. And I, I've done it, <laughs> so, you know, like, I don't want to believe that truth. And then I try to deny it we and make up do. my own truth, right? Sure. And then you, you get stung by it, and you know, oh, I should have listened. 
but uh, it is something. Hey, I'm doing this uh, interview next week uh, with a guy on who we're going to do our first show for CyberTalk TV. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to be with this uh, person. I, I brought this up before, Stephen Scherer. We had to delay this thing a couple of weeks as a, a couple of things got in our way, but uh, it's going to happen. I'm reading his book. It's uh, 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 Communist China. Uh, it, it, it's Detention in Communist Prison or something like that. It's, I'm, I'm almost done with it. This experience this guy had is amazing. Um, but what he comes away with is this enlightened understanding of the privilege that we all have here as Americans. Mm-hmm. And when we look at the rights that we have, the Bill of Rights, uh, no country, especially China, has these things. These are human rights. And they they were said so succinctly. And he compares that to other nations. He even compares it to the definition that the UN has and Amnesty International and, and points to the Bill of Rights and says, the Bill of Rights, the writers of the Bill of Rights were maybe a thousand years ahead of their time. Mm-hmm. And that model has been held up as the envy to the rest of the world Agreed. and that these other entities like UN and the Amnesty International and all these other places were mimicking that whole thing in order to uh, really provide a higher level of, of human rights to everybody in the world. So I yeah. go back to this whole attack on America as systemically racist. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I look at what the truth is of all of this, all of this. And you talk to a guy like Stephen Scherer, who was in a communist Chinese prison, mm-hmm. and he could see not only how foreigners were treated, but how the Chinese citizens themselves are treated yeah. without any rights, without the right to an attorney, without the right to remain silent, without the right to not incriminate yourself. Uh, they don't have any of those rights. And uh, we, we just have such privilege living here. You, you don't know, it, know that you don't know what you have until it's taken away. Unfortunately, there's so many immature people in this country that need to seem to need to learn that lesson. That right. Ah, boy, we could be headed for a civil war. If we it seems like it, if we can't survive this generation of wokeism and uh, Marxism. Uh, if we can get by it to a new gen, but, but how is the younger generation going? See, this is the thing, Barry, is that they're just not being educated about Properly. what the dangers are yeah. out there. And uh, so the, so Stephen tells a story about how he was so excited to go out to uh, Beijing. Uh, he saw this oh. as a total jewel, brand new cities, ex- young man, very excited. Uh, just it, And somebody tells him, he goes to the bank to, to you know, get his affairs in order and everything. And there's an, a person probably our age uh, at the bank that he's working with. And she says, you know, so what are you doing? What, what's the plan? And he says, he's going to China. He's going to open up a business there. He's going to live there. And she gets, she has the shocked look on her face. And she says, you know, that's a communist country, right? And he, he writes, 
these older people, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. They're so yeah. conservative. And he's, yep. he, he yep. plays the game with her to appease yep. her and then just goes up. What a silly person, he says. Yeah. So now he's in jail <laughs> and he's starving and he's sleep deprived. Yeah. And he's this woman keeps coming up in his mind. It's like, if I hadn't been so brilliant and thought of myself as this tremendous world traveler, yeah. uh, I would have I could have saved myself from this death hole that I'm in. Because uh, he didn't know when or if he would ever get out of there. And that alone is psychological torture. It uh, is. And, and so you're right. Going, getting back to you don't know what you have uh, here until you go someplace else. But the other thing is, we as a country have done a terrible job. We've indoctrinated these kids into the, mm -hmm. the fallacy of socialism and communism. That how are, to your point, how are they ever going to uh, see the truth of that unless they go through something like Stephen Scherer went through. Yeah, I, there's a really confusing, maybe interesting dilemma that we have here. As you say, uh, the younger people that may be ind uh, indoctrinated as such, talking to older people, and you know how we always look at older people as, oh, they don't know what's... But I, that's how thing, I did. Uh, there is, I always see this, there's such a war between the baby boomer generation and the millennials and generation X, our generation is like totally forgotten about. We, we're, we got no one even says generation X. No, we got to pass on everything. Everything. And, and probably as a generation, the worst parents uh, that yes. ever. You know, the helicopter. Yeah, we're the terrible parents, right? Absolutely. So we shouldn't get a pass. But the baby boomers are the last bastion of cable news watchers, uh, you know, and that's where and they were the ones that really started the Marxist movement back in the universities back in the day, they protesting did. against America and stuff in the hippie generation. Hey, nice. man, let's share everything, man. And um, that's right. a lot of them like here in the Heights, boy, you see them all running around here with their gray hair, uh, still with their, uh, they still got Biden signs in their front lawns. And stuff. They do. <laughs> Absolutely. And you will not find, no one's allowed to have a Trump sign around. No, no. No, you got to get pretty far outside the heights before you see something like that. And and you see, you can look on the Nextdoor app, which I seem to have been pretty much banned from. But uh, there's so much of the anti-American sentiment. And I know. so anyways, oh. the interesting or confusing thing that I can't really get is the, okay, the younger generation that, okay, like that guy, what's his name that goes to the bank and says, I'm going to open up a business. And the older person says, oh my God, you are. Well, most of them are on his side. Mm -hmm. It's a, a great deal of them. I don't understand the war when they seem to be simpatico that, uh, that we have been responsible, the boomer generation, our generation has been responsible for laying the foundation of indoctrination in these colleges in the first place. There's a lot in common there. That's what I'm yeah. saying. To me, yeah. it's confusing. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of confusing things, you know, that are that are happening here. Uh, it's hard to, I mean, and you look at the the everything that's happening today is so outrageous. It's like why it why outrageous. are these things happening? It's uh, uh, it it can be uh, a bit um, <laughs> a bit confusing as you know. Just as you take a look at some of these stories that we're we're looking at uh, today the um 
I, I've got some things that I want to make sure I bring up. Um, I wrote COVID in the house. And I'm like, why did I write that? <laughs> <laughs> I do that. I, I always say if there's something from five, six days ago, I'll be like, what? I put that. I know I had a reason, you know. I I, I, I wanted to switch over to uh, uh, Facebook killing people. Uh, did you hear oh, Joe Biden talking about that? Sure, this week? the hypocrisy on that and then walking it back. Yeah. Did he walk it back? I oh, didn't yeah. hear that. Big what time. did he what Yeah, did it was about say? two days ago. Um, I don't remember how he said it, but he, but he pretty much said, well, I didn't mean they were really killing people, but, uh, but uh, he said something like there's 12 people that are responsible for putting disinformation out on Facebook. Oh, I heard that. That's right. I did hear that. 12 people. Okay. That's an <laughs> odd statement right there. That's very odd. It's a, what is it? I wonder what he's talking about. I don't right know, there. but just to say that, you know, he said it several times, you know, they're killing people. He's talking about Facebook, killing people with misinformation and um, but freedom of speech. You, you, I don't understand how he how he's saying all these crazy things right now. Uh, but I guess the bottom line for me is that it seems like Facebook has really helped out the Democratic Party in many, many ways, especially through censorship. So I, I, I wonder why, as the president, you would think a good strategy would be to attack that entity. I'd say that they were pretty instrumental in getting him in office. Yeah, same here. It, mm -hmm. uh, it just doesn't seem like good, good strategy. That's good why he wants strategy. Back. His yeah, handlers told right. him to. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing over there? Yeah, Joe, God, <laughs> get him off. Cut the mic. <laughs> That's yeah. what they got to do. They got to yeah. just like the debates. Remember when they had control of the microphone? They yeah, yeah. As long as you just see his lips moving and nothing. <laughs> what is he saying? <laughs> uh, anyway, so. Yeah, man. So uh, those were, let's see, I got one more story here. Oh, okay. the, the uh, North Carolina door-to-door -door vaccine outrage violating zone of privacy advocacy group. It's a really interesting article that I read in the Epic Times on this, and it's it's about this uh, this whole thing that the Biden administration is doing, where they're sending people door to door to advocate yeah. uh, for for vaccination. Yeah. And there, this article is actually uh, talking about North Carolina bringing up the U.S. Supreme Court uh, case uh, called the U.S. Supreme Court, I'm sorry, Griswold versus Connecticut in 1965. It's really interesting, Barry. I love to look at the Supreme Court cases. Mm -hmm. um, this one was over contraception and the legality of being able to sell contraception in, in Connecticut. Uh, that became a thing in the 60s. Mm -hmm. um, they were trying to control what was happening in the bedroom. And the Supreme Court basically said that when you're in the privacy, your privacy is your privacy, and nobody has a right to know what's going on in your bedroom. Okay, so that seems uh, that applies to a lot of different things. So mm -hmm. not just what happens in your bedroom, but it becomes a huge privacy cornerstone for our, our United States uh, law system. It's a precedent that's out there. And so what they're applying this to is vaccination status and that uh, if it's none, nobody's business what happens in your bedroom, then it's nobody's business what gets put into your body mm -hmm. uh, or not put into your body because you can see 
they kind of relate to each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Of course, these legal cases take time and we have to watch them, but uh, something else to keep your eye on out there to see, see what happens with this, because in my lifetime, I've never had a president send anybody to my door to inform me of anything. That's never been a thing. This is uh, new territory, very unprecedented. And if we really start to think about what this is really about, yeah, it could be about the vaccination, but it also could be, you know, politicians are always trying to figure out a way to campaign yeah. and um, taxpayer and, dollars and also using the uh, the vaccination, you know, this uh, term uh, voter intimidation could be bandied about as well. So interesting stuff going on here. Well, there are in so many ways. I I know I say it constantly, but I'm so, so angry about every day hearing about billions of our taxpayer dollars going to another worthless or uh, buying votes. Look at Gavin Newsom there. I mean, look at Biden. I mean, he's he's trying to do the same thing on a nation nationwide scale. It's it's all about buying votes, getting you addicted to government. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it is. It yeah, is a big government. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, Barry, I, I'm out of I'm out of juice here. <laughs> oh, well, I. That's fine. I have been wanting to use this graphic for a little while. So, oh, good. have you been back to Shit's Creek? I have actually. I've watched it. Yep. So last weekend, uh, we got four four new episodes, and um, <laughs> and we wanted to like spread them out. So we sat down and watched the first one, and then the next three came immediately after that. So we were, we we consume these shows uh, very quickly, and we can't wait till they come on. And it's 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 just a lot of fun, actually. I I've very much enjoyed the show. Yeah. yeah about where are you at? What season? Well, it, the unfortunate part four, is that they're not going in order. Uh, so really? I, think, I know that's the problem. I can't, I, I don't have, I think it's Netflix that this is on, right? It probably, yeah. Yeah, so I don't have access to that. Um, mm. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's on some channel on cable that I have it set to automatically record. And so I think <laughs> I'm like two years behind here. Oh, okay. 2019, I think that's the last episode I saw. But, um, you know, Such it's, a good show. it's it's just a lot of fun. And uh, I, I chuck, we chuckle about it all the time. And mm-hmm. it's always fun to run into other people that watch the show. So, yeah. you know, you go, you, you just talk about these crazy, these people are crazy. It, it, the characters are crazy. They have such great chemistry, but the premise, I love the premise. The, I love when they're in the, when they show you in the hotel room, they're that yeah. the adjoining room, hotel room. It's like, Oh my God. It's, it's really, just, those are my favorite parts. Um, I started watching this show. I maybe Netflix. I think it's actually Amazon prime hmm. and it's a, it's about Hugh Hefner. It might be called the playboy. It's a Hugh okay. Hefner documentary. And it's really good and really interesting because it really gives you a look. You maybe think about it because you were talking about what you put in your body, contraception and all that contraception changed Uh, the, the, what do I want to say? The political climate, not the political climate, but the social climate of the entire did. It started the sexual revolution. It did. And he talked, so Hefner talked a lot about a lot of the stuff was take, well, a lot of it is done with a, a cast, you know, mm-hmm. and a character playing Hugh Hefner as uh, 
the playboy That's thing developed. Cool. Yeah. It is. And a lot of it, it's interspersed with interviews, uh, real interviews from like the 90s and stuff or late 80s. And uh, and I, I couldn't find it. I looked for it. I think it was last night and I couldn't find it again because it's only one season. I think it's 10 episodes and I might be on six because I want to see. I saw the whole rise and what it did to society, how it interacted with society. So important. It's it really important uh, th how it played off of our freedom of speech, how it challenged freedom of speech. And so I'm right there in the middle and I want to see how the fade went. I don't even know is, is Playboy still around? I imagine. I believe it is. I believe it is. Yeah. I remember yeah. hearing a few He's years not. back. Right, right, right. When did he die? Do you uh, a few years ago. It's been a few years. I thought now. it's been a lot of years, but uh, yeah. I thought I remember hearing a few years back that they were no longer going to have new models in there in the magazine. Cause they're like, what's the point internet? Um, hmm. I could be wrong. I thought I heard that, yeah. but, um, so I wanted to see how, uh, how they got through all of the challenges of, uh, the, the, the uh, challenges of censorship and things like that in the seventies. Cause where that's where I'm at is in the seventies because they went from he went from himself and two other people in like a one bedroom apartment publishing the first couple issues and it was like holy crap we got 3000 subscribers already and so they built an office in chicago next thing you right. know they got four floors of this building and then the next thing you know they bought like, they take the over whole the whole building, building. yeah and still there is that right? Because yeah. oh, I figured he moved his operations. To he LA. did, but the building is still there. Okay, so he really was a genius as far as the marketing goes. How they uh, came up with the playmate, and then later, not until he started, uh, he wanted to bring the experience of play. First of all, he he evolved the Playboy magazine into being a how to be a Playboy bachelor. Hmm. And teaching you what the right drinks are about fine food, about the right tailoring, uh, how to behave with women, how etiquette, all of the stuff that that became the brand. And hmm. then he wanted to bring it to the common person in these. Oh, they got known for having their parties with the elites, you know? Oh, right. They, they sure became did. very famous. So yes. he wanted to bring this to everybody. He's brilliant. I mean, so he started making millions upon millions of dollars as you know the biggest thing that he did was creating the play the playboy uh mansion well i, I oh. haven't gotten to a point where he actually went to la and built the mansion i'm still in chicago where he built his first mansion uh -huh. where he started hosting these parties I, I i'm trying to the playboy club i guess is what they were called oh yeah yeah and uh and my that, dad took me to one of those really <laughs> yeah I mean, in new york city Oh, okay. That's where I was left at is the development of that in New York. Mm -hmm. Cause he's like, mm -hmm. this is, it has to be done. And just how crooked New York was and the, what he mm. had to go through in order to get that grease, a lot of palms. The, <laughs> it was a crazy time in New York at the time yes. too. Yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, crime but happening. so that's, that was the advent that those clubs were the advent of the playboy bunny. Now they created the logo before that but it was associated with the playboy guy himself. But when they opened up these clubs and they wanted to have these hot girls in there that were really, really highly yeah. trained. Yes. And uh, that that's when they said, well, let's apply the bunny 
to that. And now we have Playboy bunnies. Interesting. Playmates. That's what they, the center, they were the, they were the advent of the centerfold. They're like, it's not big enough. You know, and they're thinking about it. What did we do? Fold out page. It's like, wow. You know, so it's really very interesting. It is. It is and I, I want to see the decline. Uh, and that took a long time, though. You know, uh, it did. And uh, did you ever watch his um, his reality show that he had late in oh, his I life? For- I didn't even know about that until I'm watching this. That was early on. That was really that he was he only had the magazine like five years before and he was approached to do that reality show. Oh, well, unless you're talking about a later his, one. His reality show that he did was in the early 2000s, actually. Oh, well, and okay, that's so a he's, different one. He's not he did like a variety. A, they had a variety show in the early Oh, they 70s. did. I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't know huh. about that. And it was well, really his, successful. Did yeah. you ever see the one in the in the 2000s? I guess uh, it was actually pretty good. Anne Marie and I were kind of addicted to the show and he had, he was, he had these, they weren't his wives. He had three girlfriends that were living yeah. there in the house with him. Yeah. And it seemed like really decadent. Like, why would we watch this show? But I think we watched it one time and it was actually really good. Um, it was, uh, uh, and you end up really liking these three women that, that he was uh, connected with. They're actually really sweet people. Uh, and you get to kind of know Hugh Hefner as well. And he's, you know, it's a, a very interesting guy. One thing I know is at the end of his life, he was still living in that mansion and it had become, it's pretty close to here. I'd never been over that direction before, but I hear that it had become dilapidated uh, as well as he Are had you, become the Playboy mansion. In, in it, LA, yeah, that was sold off some years ago i remember uh, he, reading it about was it. sold off and but he was still living there and he lived there oh. until he died actually oh. um and uh i started to hear that uh, the mansion itself had some pretty interesting characteristics there was i'm told that there was a secret tunnel there so that people could actually get into the mansion without being seen going into the mansion oh. uh, so a lot of people would end up showing up there by going through this secret tunnel of course that, of course that, yeah, they, yeah they had all these secret rooms as well in there with they the, did. The, the, uh, swimming pools inside and outside yeah. uh, quite a quite a place quite a place and a lot of a lot of celebrity stories uh, that yeah. we would probably never hear uh, that it happened yeah. in that particular place they showed the over want to hear the overhaul that they did to that building in Chicago to make the first mansion and hit where they hosted those parties and right. the pools and all that crazy, like crazy stuff. And Amazing. Boy, that was a different time. It really was a different time. Really you know, different. I said I was out of juice earlier, but I actually had one other thing and it's uh, okay. kind of, a- I just wanted to say it, we, I have to go real soon. I was looking for my end, the end banner. Oh, oh. find it. So, oh, doggone I know, it. I know. But go, uh, ahead, go ahead. Uh, so sniffing dogs deployed to search out COVID. Have you heard about this? I, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, they're supposed um, to be very accurate. Yeah, they're supposed to be. There's a picture on this one, um, and it's a, it's a German Shepherd. Um, and I just think uh, an interesting concept that WHO has this. But I also thought, how weird to bring out. Uh, I mean, I don't want to be in a crowd with dogs sniffing me. There's... That's never a good feeling wow, uh, having yeah. a, a German shepherd come and sniff you to make sure you're okay. I, 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 it conjures up some negative images in my head and I, I hate that we're in this day, but uh, 
I do too, but I do think it would be cool if we had a super accurate COVID detector. That that would solve a lot of problems. I think it would too. Um, Obviously, we don't have that now. And I got to tell you, I mean, I, I think and wonder every day what is right about what's going on now and uh, the so-called second wave of this Delta variant. And um, I know that there's a lot of funny business going on through the media with it and scare tactics. I know there is, but I also wonder when you see what's going on in Australia uh, and I, I, I look at the chart for Ohio and you want to pull up a chart? Yeah, um, I don't I don't have anything. Do you have yeah, something you want to pull up? Uh yeah, I can pull it up in seconds. Um but uh I just hey, remember when I said about DuckDuckGo that I've made it my primary uh browser? Yeah. And but boy, I gotta tell you, I have uh I've had to bookmark Google right next to it because Google is such a more robust um uh search engine yeah that, unfortunately like if you want movie reviews and stuff it's right. it's interconnected with so many things oh just uh maps and all ca- so many things um yeah. yeah it's just got some really serious power behind it and so this covid is one of them and i'm going to pull, pull up the share screen where is it i found it okay so uh this is ohio and if you could if i could just pull off this square of this map that you would be able to really see that little, what looks like an almost insignificant uptick. Yeah. If, if it were a much shorter span of time, it would look a lot more significant. I don't mean a lot more, but there's an uptick. There is. And if it keeps going up, we're going to have a problem. I, and I don't know how much to believe. And, you know, I don't know where the hysteria or the common sense is and the hysteria ends or whatever. I agree. Texas, yeah. Look at Texas. They, they got an uptick going on. Yeah. I want to take a look at California, which I thought I did yesterday. I don't remember with there's a true uptick going on there, but you know, California is the, uh, the land of hysteria. So, yeah, but you know, you look at like, uh, let's look at the, say that for a second, because okay. you look at like that whole thing that happens between like, uh, November and end of January. And that's when we mm-hmm. locked down everything out here. Like mm-hmm. you couldn't even go outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I can't even believe we lived through that and, and yeah, we have an uptick. We should be watching out for that, but to go immediately back to the masks, I don't I know. know I don't, it seems to be a, a pretty severe knee jerk reaction, which, you know, when, especially if you live in this situation, mm-hmm. it starts to feel like this is never going to end. They're always going to find some reason for us to be in this sort of semi lockdown masking yeah. kind of thing. And oh, crap. it seems like this is what they want. Look at Florida. Big, big. It's that's a woo, yeah, going that's straight actually- up pretty serious uh what the problem is for me okay there's a couple things first of all if the vaccine is that effective and available then i'm not too worried about it but okay as i say that the where the rubber hits the road is with hospitals how full are hospitals and how taxed are hospitals getting because it seems like when we get into this whole covid 
mm, conversation or argument, it's always about, well, all the young people, there's a stats on how it's nothing but a minor cold to them. And anybody, only the, these people are truly at risk, this very small percentage of old people, and they have uh, vac vaccines and everything. Okay, but are the hospitals getting, getting hit hard? That's really, right. I think, the real measurement. And, and that should have always been the measurement. And um, I, well, we I, had know, some hard times with that across the nation. We did. Yeah. And then, then we didn't, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And, uh, and then they kind of stopped monitoring that. And then mm -hmm. it didn't become about that any longer. Mm -hmm. It was about all kinds of other things. So, mm -hmm. I mean, the whole lockdown started because of the surge. We wanted to uh, guard against the surge, right? Mm -hmm. We wanted to defeat the surge. Well, we did that pretty quickly but we shut it down so badly that our hospitals actually had to yeah. stop doing elective surgeries. And the problem yeah. with that is that's where they're, that's really the a main staple of their, yeah. of their income. Yeah. And they depend on that in order to keep the doors open. And, and that's really where the hospitals have been damaged. Not so much that they've been overcrowded, but, but that they didn't have a chance to, uh, to, to, I mean, it's like blood flow to a hospital is that yeah. they, they were being strangled uh, financially. And yeah. even though we did bailouts for a lot of the hospitals and they kept their doors open, man, yeah. I'm telling you, I have a database that I look at as I'm calling on hospitals every day and their operating margins are in the way negatives. Yeah. And so yeah. just and, and so that's the problem is that if you go to a hospital now and these people, these hospitals are financially struggling, I mean, you don't want to be in a hospital that can't afford to take care of you. Yeah. Be, that's a problem. That's a problem for I, I America. Hear, I hear you. I, so I, I don't know. I, no, I do don't I. know. Neither do As I. we wrap up, how about if I wake this little guy up? Cause I'm going to take him outside. Yeah. Let's see. Want to look at him? Yeah. 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 Right. Hey, Charlie, come here, buddy. Oh, oh man. I, he jumped. He was really sleepy. <laughs> come here, Oh, he's going to be all tired. He's such a happy dog. Uh, he really he is. How old is he? Uh, About 10, 11 weeks now. He's big for 11 weeks. Oh, he's so cute. He how, how big? Oh, look at that face. How, now, how big do they think he's going to get? We don't know. Nobody yeah. knows. We don't know what he's mixed with. So he looks like a retriever mixed with something. And oh, uh, beautiful. He, thank you. He really is. And I, when if I can find a time, I want to put up a channel, Ch Charlie, the rescue dog. And I have his first couple of days really, really documented. And it's a lot of really cute stuff. Do you watch the Dodo with the, those animal videos? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I want to, I, well, I, along those lines, there's like a, a channel. It's not the Dodo, but there's somebody, I forget his name, the Beagle. I watched all kinds. I watched this little beagle get his first bath. I watched him go through a car wash in a car, uh, his first car wash, uh, all these mundane things. And yet me and tens of thousands of other people are watching it. You know, yeah, these it's fun. five minute videos of that. And I'd like to document his first day, or, you know, maybe his first second day or his first week. And, um, and you know, a few different uh, five to 10 minute videos. I liked the video that you sent me of him uh, whining at the top of the stairs. Oh, I sent you that one. That was didn't cute. want to go down the stairs. Yeah, that is <laughs> cute. He doesn't. He, he can't get up and down stairs yet. Oh, uh, just look at him. He's oh, such he's a so cool good. Dog. Yeah, so look good. at him. Oh, <laughs> right on cue. Your first. Appearance. Look at him. 
Your first uh, online appearance. You might be a star, buddy. It might be. Look yeah. at him. All right. <laughs> With that. Hey, thanks a lot, Barry. This yeah, has been great. Sure and uh, another great start to a Friday. Yeah. I hope you have a great weekend. You too, buddy. Love you. Bye. Love you too, man. Bye now.